We are very happy today to be talking to Jim Ryerson, who is the Chief Acceleration Officer of Sales Octane. He's also the founder and owner of it, where he does sales process development, sales training using mobile technology. He does workshops and webinars and keynote speaking. He's also a best-selling author of four books. We talked to him today about his personal entrepreneurial journey with his company, as well as a lot of tips and tricks on sales. You're going to want to tune in and take some notes. It goes fast. Here's Jim Ryerson. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Uh, could you start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and some of your entrepreneurial journey? Okay, so I'm in the 60 plus range, just over the edge of 60. Started selling when I was in my early 20s, worked for a major corporation, Fortune 500, for about two decades, and then got the bug, the entrepreneurial bug. So moved into the entrepreneurial space. It was an office furniture dealership, uh, fairly large, uh, large brand. And we didn't really make anything. All we did was sell. So we had a, a group of salespeople. So that was my first experience of working with a group of salespeople and managing them. Did that for several years. After uh, early 2000, we sold the business. And then I started Sales Octane about a year later. Wrote, the, wrote a book to kind of summarize what I thought entrepreneurial startups needed and even seasoned companies and that was the way it's gone now for 18 years. I basically just go around, work with companies, kind of a boutique consulting practice, uh, training, I call it enter training because I have a lot of fun. And it's also very uh, process oriented, documentation of best practices. So that's basically the journey that I'm on. And uh, my intent is just to ride it out doing what I'm doing today because I love hanging out with entrepreneurs. And you, you're almost 20 years. Next year is going to be 20 years, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, can you tell us about how your vision for what you were building has evolved from the early 2000s to now? There's a word that I, I'm using a lot lately. It's pivot. <laughs> pivot, just go. Uh, because... Obviously, this podcast is being recorded at a time where there's a lot of change going on right now, and it's impacting the way uh, business development is done. It's, it's seriously impacting the way you uh, engage with your customers. So we've had to pivot our content all through the process. Our company journey, my personal journey, uh, was one of Basically, I, I've used a book called The Unique Ability by Dan Sullivan, and it basically talks about the importance of identifying, you know, what is your unique ability? What do you do better and have great joy from and try to do more of your work in that space and hire people to surround you that take the things off your plate that either, A, you don't like to do and you're not good at it or that you are fairly good at, but you know, it doesn't bring any value and try to get focused on what you do best. So I've surrounded myself with a team. That's basically been the big change through the years is putting a team around me that allow me to be uh, hyper-focused on content development and basically creating videos. That's, that, that's been our killer app is uh, developing video content for clients to help their salespeople uh, learn our techniques. 
Thanks for that. You know, every, every entrepreneur has been knocked down at some point and people say it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It matters that you get up the next time. Can you give an example in your entrepreneurial journey where maybe you were knocked down and how you found it within yourself to get back up and what that looked like? Great question. And it's something that only an entrepreneur knows. Like if you work for a corporation and you run into 9-11, the subprime mortgage of 2008, now COVID, Yes, you were impacted. Yes, they cut your salary. Yes, they laid off some people, but it wasn't your mortgage on the line. That's kind of, so let me give you the answer to your question. It's been three times. I mean, I know them exactly when they happen and how it happened. And I'll just cover one of them because it, it synthesizes this pivot moment. Uh, it was a subprime mortgage disaster. And we had a ton of our business was in B2B. So helping uh, companies that Frankly, a lot of them were in the in what I call the built space, building buildings, uh, anything from commercial real estate to office furniture to copiers, anything that went into buildings. Well, obviously, when the subprime mortgage hit, it killed that space. It just stopped for, and it was about three months into it that we realized this was going to be a while. Now, at that time, I'm scrambling around trying to figure out what to do, and uh, believe it or not, I had had somebody call me about a year before from uh, what I call the franchise space. And at that time, I'm like, I don't do that. That's, you know, it was business to consumer. They were running leads. There was no business development, no networking. They were basically just showing up, doing their pitch and doing their best to overcome the objection. So I dismissed this person. But I'll just suggest to anybody who's listening right now, invest in a contact management system, invest in a CRM, and it's not an option for your salespeople to uh, choose whether or not they wanna participate in putting contacts in there. Because had I not done that for you know the years leading up to the 2008 timeframe, I would have forgotten about this person. I, I wouldn't have been able to find them. But I remembered that conversation, I called them back and because their, their business was growing. And I said, hey, I was thinking about our conversation a year ago. It's been a long time, but I've got a couple thoughts and I'll never forget her comment. And her comment was, I can't believe you called. We were just thinking about you. Now, I don't believe that, but um, two weeks later, I'm in front of them in a boardroom pitching to their senior management team to lead their a national sales meeting with our concept. And I, I have to tell you, that was kind of a new space for us to play in. So I had to wing it, pivot through this conversation. But now probably 50% of our business is in B2C uh, franchise space. Wow. So that's that would be, um, you know, this whole idea of never never dismiss any conversation. There's a great, again, I'll, I'll throw out books because I just love to read. Um, there's a book out there called The Click Moment, uh, The Click Moment by, I think his last name is Johansson. And it talks about that if you look at all the great companies in the, you know, like Microsoft and, and Amazon and all these, what you'll find is there was like this goofy moment where a couple people talked and it was this quote unquote spontaneous conversation. But because they remembered it like months later, they went back and the rest is history. So 
I'm a big believer and reinforce to all my clients really invest in your CRM now more than ever because with you know pay-per-click and, and downstream marketing you need a solid base of contacts and uh, that was that was my big learning and uh, story out of that situation so just to validate on that it was a subprime mortgage disaster uh, your current book of business was kind of going down you didn't have much control over that you leaned on the network that you had because you had people in your contact management system uh, and you called people who are outside of what your typical lane was oh yes see if you could drum up some business a little bit differently and that tended to work out to the point where today i think you said 50 percent of your business actually comes from that vertical that started from you getting up after you got knocked down Right. And that's uh, what we, you know, again, what I, what I learned through the process was if you go way back, I was a mem member of a group of entrepreneurs and we would share best practices. And one of the things that I always saw was someone who started a company, entrepreneur, uh, the great idea, and they owned it and they went out and they, you know, may have sold investors on it, but certainly they, they sold end users and they started to build a business. Now it's growing. So, unique ability, they decide to, to hire some salespeople. And almost always, it was a disaster. Almost always. Every time I was in a, a mentor group, a peer performance group, the issue was, oh my gosh, you know, I hired this salesperson and they're not doing what I did. And it was always that same comment. They're not doing what I did. And frankly, that's one of the, when I started Sales Octane, one of the facets or lanes that we play in, Rich, to your point, was, um, mapping out what your process is. So if you're if you're a successful entrepreneur, you're probably also an amazing salesperson, and you believe that you can transfer that to to the people you hire as sales. Here's the science. You know, you're either an auditory learner, a kinesthetic learner, meaning you learn by doing, or a visual learner. And Rich, you know, you're all over this with Andrew Goji. The, the bottom line is, by and large, most salespeople are not auditory learners. So if you tell them what to do, it is literally in one ear and out the other. So this is a heavy lift because they're like, you know, I don't have time for that. Well, if you don't do it, you'll never be able to scale your organization. So build a process, map it out of what you did, what made you successful and capture those best practices and then coach and train that generation of salespeople. So that was another, uh, we had done a little bit of that, you know, prior to 2008, but in 2008, you know, the iPhone was invented. So the iPhone comes out and people all of a sudden can watch videos on a mobile device. Now at first it was terrible because of buffering and bandwidth, but you don't buffer anymore. I mean, we're like 5G. This is be I have better connection on my iPhone in Idaho somewhere than I do, you know, in my home sometime. So we started with videos in 2008. And that was, again, I can look back and, and just tell you the answers to prayer so many times on this. Because when everything went south in 2008, it was like 50% cut right down the middle, gone. And... I remember thinking as we started working with the B2C space, and now we do it with B2B. So don't, if you're a B2B person, don't cut out of this conversation because this is the holy grail, in my opinion. 
what we found was if you could capture your what you want a salesperson to do, like you know how to overcome an objection, what's the voicemail that they leave, what's what's the pitch, if you can capture that and then make a video of it and then have them practice using the same mobile device that you're already paying for, they get to watch themselves, they get repetition, they get to self-diagnose and that's been, you know, that would probably, you can't ever say that this would not have happened, but had I not made that change in 2008, I don't know as I would have figured this out to where we are now. And now probably, goodness, a good chunk of our business, I was in my studio, this isn't my shirt, this isn't my company. Um, I was downstairs in the studio right before I came up here making a video for a client and that's where we're going. I put a studio in my home because it, it just takes too long to go off site to a professional space. So that's a long answer to your question, but um, yes, there's just so many, so many things that happen when you open yourself to change, I guess. Yeah. Jim, there's, there's a, so much here to go on. I, I, I'm fascinated by the conversation. I can feel your passion coming through as well, which is, which is awesome. And you, know, you talk about pivot initially, and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are listening to this conversation and thinking about where they are in their business cycle. Forget about COVID or the pandemic, just where they are in their business cycle. And you've even articulated there's probably three pivots in your business over the last 20 years to get to where you are. And you know, sometimes people have these startups and they just believe in the next few years their business is going to explode when in reality, you know, from going from good to great, it's a long journey. You got to have these pivot moments, you got to be open to change, you got to create these processes for your team over time. Cause what you did when you were a startup may not work when you have 10 sales reps, and right? The same from them. So I, I love that. And you know, the, the concept today that you can create uh, almost like, you know, the new England Patriots will take video and they'll break it down more than they'll actually practice. Uh, but from a sales perspective, I never really heard of that theory, which is videotape yourself or videotape, you know, the actions are being done and then break it down almost like you're breaking down a sports game. And the reality is, is you learn a lot more when you watch yourself than, you know, getting feedback on a piece of paper, right. Uh, from, from your manager. Uh, so that, that came from actually a friend of Rich's, you know, if, if you go back, it was probably three years ago that uh, a friend of Rich Hoffman's was talking to me one day and he said, Hey Jim, have you ever read this book? And I had not, I, I read it. And it really synthesized this issue of what I like to say is you need to practice salespeople. You need to practice, but don't practice on your customers. It's an expensive way to practice and it neuters your self-confidence when something goes wrong in front of a customer. So yes, I mean, you have this mobile device, you can put the video on, you can put it in selfie. You can do a role play with your spouse or significant other. You can, and so there's nobody there that's really going to judge you. It's not like your boss. But isn't it odd? Like I, I remember, I remember, I remember sitting in a training session. Okay, let's role play now, and everybody ha ha ha, and it's it's all funny, and no one takes it seriously. Like that's they're what smiling. They're, they're smiling, but they're dying inside. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I like to say the only people that like role play are sales trainers, and that's what I am. <laughs> sales trainers and managers. And the reason is the salesperson, a sales trainer has done this shtick a thousand times. 
Yeah. I mean, I can in my sleep give you what we suggest as the language for a first uh, voice message that you lead for somebody. I mean, I can verbatim give you what to say at the end of a sales call to get the next step, to close for the next. Hold this on, let's stop, let's stop there. I want to know what that is. Okay. Hey, John, you've given us a lot of great information today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and just consolidate what you shared with me. Just want to make sure I got it. Um, and then send that back as in an email. How does that sound? Sounds good. And um, here's what I committed to give to you. And then here's what I need from you. Based on that, we should probably get together again in two weeks to review da 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 da. What looks better that week, beginning, middle, or end? Now, this is all I do. Yeah. So I can do a role play with somebody. I can train somebody for an hour on that and go, hey, let's go do a role play. You know, and it's like, hey, Skippy, you know, it's the end of the call. What do you do? Skippy like soils themselves in the front row. Everybody laughs. Skippy laughs, but Skippy's like, I hate you, Jim. Yeah. And and how come I can't do this? Repetition. What is it? You talked about a professional athlete. What do they do? New England Patriots. What do they do? Over and over. Um, it was really funny. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Bill Belichick was not not the, the world's most gregarious guy. Um, was interviewed after the first game in COVID time where nobody's in the stands. And the, the person was like hoping to get him and they go, Bill, have you ever had a situation like this in your life where you've, you've played and there's no fans? And he looked at the, he looked at, I think it was a female, he looked there and he goes, every day, practice. <laughs> and he walked away. And you're like, Absolutely. You know, frankly, the biggest problem is the noise. Yeah. And if you can block out the noise because you're so mentally, you know, you practice your lines, you're good. And when you see the customer look at their watch, you just say, hey, John, um, we're, we're pretty much out of time. This has been great today. What I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to go back and kind of synthesize what you shared with me. How does that sound? I'll send it in. I mean, so you're, 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 you're ready to go versus them going, oh my gosh, we're out of time. Well, hey, why don't you send me your stuff in the mail and we'll never call you again. <laughs> yeah, what you're talking about too, and I'm not a football player, we're using some football analogies here, but you know, when, when Peyton Manning would take the snap, you know, he made the unconscious conscious. He, he didn't have to think about it. He knew exactly where to go with it in a split second decision with, you know, 300 pound grown men coming at him, right? Full speed because he practiced it. And it was repetition, repetition. But it still strikes me. I, I've led a lot of sales teams over, over the years and still practice and repetition was probably the biggest weakness of every sales team I've ever had. Um, yes. Is that normal? Is that what you see as well in the industry? It, yeah, it, it's funny, you know, and, and again, I, uh, this shirt's on because I was just down in the studio. Um, this is a company, it's called neuropeakpro.com. Uh, and they, they started working with professional athletes to get, to get rid of the noise, to be able to mental acute, you know, whether you're on the court, hockey, you're big hockey, okay, on the ice, they work with goalies nonstop, because this is like, you go to zero to 100 in 10 seconds, yeah. and you really have to have that mental acuity, and I've always been intrigued with that with salespeople, um, and again, it's a long journey. When I was 58, I was diagnosed with ADHD. I intentionally went into a psychologist to get tested. I always wanted to know. And it turned out that I had it. Uh, options were drugs, didn't want to do that because I, I actually like my creative side. 
So started doing this program, NeuroPeak Pro, and what happens is you just get in the zone. And salespeople need to get in the zone. So this has been, that's another passion of mine is how do you help salespeople <clears throat> just to feel more comfortable in the customer situation? Well, number one, practice. Know, you know, do a pre-call plan, have your angle ready know how to respond to each one of the objections. And then again, that takes us down the swim lane of owner, have you written down the objection responses? Like you've been doing this for, you know, seven, eight, nine years, you've been successful. How did you overcome that objection? Well, I would say, no, 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 don't tell me, write it down. Because yeah. once we write it down, I can, I mean, I found an app for like $20. I wrote about it. And the, here, there's the pitch for the newsletter, Finish Line Friday. The last two newsletters, I referenced an app that I just stumbled into uh, through, through a, another client. And it's basically like a teleprompter on your iPhone right over your selfie video. So now, if I, you know, kind of like Rich, think about your angle. If I can write out the the pitch the objection response if i can write it out then i can upload it into that app and give it to the salesperson say first just practice it with a black screen with a teleprompter going up it's voice activated okay you just practice it those repetitions back to your paint man those repetitions build muscle memory the neural you know neural pathways now when you feel like you've got the language uh flip on flip on the video so now literally the words scroll up in front of your video. So you're still looking at the camera and you practice your lines. Now it's more burning of the neural, but now watch the video. The, the words won't be in front of it, but watch the video. How is your vocal inflection? How is your face? How are you, how is your mannerisms? Now turn off the teleprompter and scouts on, or I want you to make that video again. And if you need a customer, cause it's a little bit of a role play, then use your spouse, significant other, and make that video the last time. And here's what you're gonna find. You have, you have done so many repetitions of the language. You're not like a robot though. You're, you're cool, you're smooth, and you're confident that mental acuity is there. So that's another, that's another reason, another pivot, if you will. It's only been, goodness, you know, maybe about a year that we've been really pushing people to use their mobile device to record themselves so that they can watch themselves and listen to themselves and then, oh, please self-diagnose what they need to improve. And don't send me the video that's bad, go fix it. Then send me, that's your passing grade. So that's, uh, that's another, I guess, you know, for those of you out there in Cyberland listening to this, that's kind of the, what I think is the holy grail right now, because uh, how much time does this take of the owners? I mean, once, once the, the words are synthesized, maybe you give the sales manager that job, all you do is say, we're going to have an Academy Award every month. And this month, the objection is, you know, because of COVID, we don't have the budget. I want an objection response for that. And I want a video from every one of the salespeople on how they have responded to that objection following our basic framework. And then we're going to give an award to who's the coolest and the smoothest. I mean... Oh. I love it. I, and, and, you know, it, again, I said this earlier, your passion just coming through and, and there's such a huge opportunity for uh, business owners and teams to improve upon that. They always want their sales reps to improve, but knowing how to 
how their sales reps improve has always been a struggle for me. Um, but if I come back to your entrepreneurial roots a little bit, Jim, you know, the definition of success I, I've learned over time is where the Venn diagram meets of what are you passionate about, what you can be the best in the world at, and what drives your economic engine. And it strikes me that, you know, 17, 18, 19 years ago when you started this business, you kind of aligned those pieces together to start this business. Mm -hmm. And if you're an entrepreneur out there, or maybe someone who's working in, in corporate America, you're thinking, hey, I want to start my own business. I'm not sure what to do. I mean, you're pretty much a role model of, I'm going to find one that I can be the best in the world at, that I'm passionate about, that I can drive, you can drive my economic engine and go do it. And here you are. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that and, and to see you being so passionate. I about have that. a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. And, you know, I, I personally believe that uh, salespeople are God's gift to humanity. You know, they're just fun. They're just fun to hang out with. And uh, a lot of them have a fear of being disliked, which is often the death nail in sales. I mean, you have to get over your fear of being disliked because otherwise you'll overcommit. You'll get dis I mean, everything goes sideways. So a big part of this is we do a lot with the science, like we and Rich does the same thing. We assess them first so that we can help them understand what their strengths are and let's leverage those strengths and then what the weaknesses are. And let's adapt, let's learn some new methodologies to adapt in that space. So I get a chance to, now prior to COVID, I got a chance to go to great places all the time, hang out with salespeople and there's no shortage of, hey, Jim, what do you say in this situation? Hey, what do you do here? Hey, we're struggling with this. So it's just, that's what I get to do. And if I just really work hard to make sure that they, let's take this, let's write it down. Don't just, I get very nervous if somebody's listening to me, but they're not writing anything down. So it's like, when you think it, ink it, write it down. Let's noodle through this. I'm always, I've always got my iPad with me writing notes down digitally and then because that's that's the way you learn so that's good news because the reason rich is so quiet over there is he's been taking three pages of notes oh, I, I know i i heard rich speak at a yeah i heard rich there we go look at that way to go rich here we go i got the same thing you know see my little notes all over there um rich i remember when you spoke at a convention you were talking about how organized you were in your early days remember that you, you had like your journal of every, the goals and tasks. Oh my gosh, he's going in to get it. It was the book. Yes, he actually had it. This is not planned. Um, yeah, there was a very, very big interest in personal hygiene, which is, I find impressive. So <laughs> it, was, it was great. Jim, but, I'm going to lay up a little bit of context and then uh, follow up with a question on it. Sure. So, Entrepreneurs who want to increase the volume, the production, the sales, we know there are only a few ways to do it. One of the ways is to increase leads. Another way to do it is increase the quality of leads. Another way to do it is to increase the job size that leads are being landed at. So add-ons or whatever that may be mm -hmm. in that business. Another way to do it is increase salesmanship, right? So we know that when people go on a journey to try to increase their salesmanship, their ability to sell, there are four stages they'll usually go through. The first one would be unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. They don't really know that they, what they are not good at. The next one would be conscious incompetence. They've actually realized where they're not good. 
The third one that they'll get to is conscious competence. So they're really trying hard and they can do it pretty well, but they're really trying hard. It's very conscious. It's very on the forefront. The last piece they go to is unconscious competence. It's just they're, they look like they're a natural. They have always done this. So they don't even need to think about it. They're just competent. In, the, in what you're recommending and breaking down uh, what you say and when and how you say it and all of that, and I love the idea of that prescription. However, there are some salespeople that aren't all that structured. Mm -hmm. So when you go, what exactly do you do? And we come up with a, a 15 step process, even an eight step process, even a, a 25 step process. Here's how to do it. Here's the formula. Right. How do you compensate as an entrepreneur? If you're trying to increase your skill or you're trying to increase the skill of a salesperson, how do you compensate for not everybody's going to be that structured. It's hard to remember that many steps. I want to include my personality. Like where does that play in with the recommendation to really break it down? Cause you're asking somebody with unconscious competence. They don't even really think about it. Break down step-by-step step what you do. And then you're asking somebody who's consciously incompetent to go, yep, do those steps. How does, how does that work with some people that, again, aren't all that structured or they want to add their personality to it? Where's the variance in that? And keep in mind that the vast majority of salespeople, and we've tested, I think, a little over 7,000 now, um, the vast majority are not task and detail oriented. The vast majority are people oriented. Uh, next, the vast majority are extroverted versus introverted. That's just the current state, uh, and that will probably change over the years. Um, but it, it's very difficult to explain to someone that there are some best practices. But we want you to be authentic and genuine. I mean, I love authenticity. I love you know being genuine. And yet there are high payoff activities. And a good example, we, we did it earlier, John. Uh, what we find is most salespeople, because they're people-oriented, they just love hanging out with the customer. I mean, it's just fun. They get energy from people. And so it's not uncommon that the customer does this. And this is the signal for, oh my gosh, I've got, a, I've got an appointment or I've got a text coming in. I got to do this. And they're caught. So here's the deal. I want you to have that relationship. I want you to build rapport. And when you sense that the call is coming to an end, under punishment of death, you better be able to pivot quickly to, wow, John, yeah, we've pretty much run our course of time here. Uh, this has been great. Uh, you've given me a lot of great information. What I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to synthesize this. I'm going to send you an email. Just kind of confirming what you talked about. How does that sound? I mean, literally. So all I need you to do is at these critical points in the sale, know your stuff. But I don't want you to be a robot. I am not a robot. I love hanging out with people, but I also realize that if I don't book the next appointment at the end of the appointment, I will not, I will lose the sale more often. I will spend a lot more time chasing someone down to secure that appointment. So when we train, we're like, listen, this is why you do this. It's called Parkinson's law. Work expands to fill the time available for its completion. If you can get this nailed down, 
at the end of the appointment, you'll speed up your sales process. So all we need you to do is just learn this. But I, it's, we're not creating robots. Um, and I've never seen any math on it, Rich, but I have to believe that only 20% of the time you're engaged phone to phone, face to face, screen to screen with the customer, only 20% of the time is it really technique. And 80% of the time is just you developing rapport, uh, listening, you know, well, that's a skill. I get that. But for us, it's take notes. Like you're taking notes. Here's the thing. And this is how we wind it. This is how we close it out with salespeople. You can't write that email that you just promised to John synthesizing the conversation. You can't write that email if you didn't take notes and you can't take notes if you didn't ask great questions that got John talking and you can't ask great questions unless you prepared your questions in advance and we give them the research behind that. So everything is, we need you to do a pre-call plan, you know, know, know what you're going to do when you get there, follow the questions, use good questions, take notes, close properly. So I think there's a, a blend of, you know, being, consciously competent with the high payoff activities in the sales process that you've got locked out. You know exactly how you're going to go into it. You know, I mean, I see a quarterback in football oftentimes flip that thing on their arm. That's got the calls or the plays. So somebody called in a play. Did they, did they make them memorize what each one of the codes was? It doesn't appear to me. What I think is, they've got the code, they look at it, but they do know what's going to happen on that play. Why? Because they've practiced the repetitions over and over and over again. So now when you get on the field and there's lots of noise and you're with the customer and it's go time and your commission's at risk, you're just executing the reps that you did ahead of time. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, what strikes me too, Jim, is, you know, if, if I'm an entry level sales rep, and this kind of fits a little bit into Rich's comment about, you know, when they're unconscious competent. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm a new sales rep joining an organization, I'm hungry. Teach me. Give me the process. Give me everything that I need. But do you run into a lot with organizations that you can't teach an old dog new tricks where somebody's been successful, they've been in the organization for 5, 10, 15 years, and now you're coming in to say, hey, we want to perfect this. We want to help your salesmanship. But they're like, no, you know what? I'm not interested in putting all my leads in the CRM system. I'm not, you know, and, and they kind of reject the system. How would you suggest entrepreneurs work with those individuals who been there, done that? I don't need this. I, my sales numbers are good enough. I'm going to keep doing my way. Oh, and I see those people. They're always like this in the back of the room. They're like, okay. Here we go. Let me just put in the time. I hope the Danish are good and I hope they got good lunch because I'm just putting in my time. I engage those people. I ask the owner, the entrepreneur, the manager ahead of time. Okay. Kind of break down your salespeople. Who's going to be resistant to this? Okay. And are they a top performer? And a lot of times they're people that have been there for a long time. I will intentionally reach out to them oftentimes before the class, but certainly when we get together and just say, Hey, um, I know you've been around for a long time. You're doing amazing. Uh, I need you because we need your wisdom. We need your best practices. Now that's one way. Now there's a second part, which is a lot of them want to protect their leads. So they don't want to put this stuff in CRM and, you know, come on, let's be honest. Uh, 
it is hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I have an old dog. I, I know it's true. So it's like, it is hard. So you have to show them the value. Now, clearly the value in plugging it into CRM, they look at it as, well, this is just management's uh, way to keep control of me. You have to show them that it's a new world right now, that customers are, the research shows, somewhere around 50 to 60% of the buying journey, the buying decision, before they ever take your call, before they ever agree to meet with you, before you even, you even believe they know who you are. They're, they've been 50 to 60%. What the heck are they doing in that period of time? Well, they're on the internet, they're banging around. Well, here's the deal. That's why you've got pay-per-clicks, SEO. That's why you've got emails. That's why you've got drip campaigns. That all comes out of marketing, which is all driven by your CRM. And, you know, hey, I, I mean, I use salesforce.com. I have clients that use every manner of but the, I'll tell you the ones that are losing big time right now, the ones who are using like a spreadsheet or nothing at all. I mean, it used to work. It just, the world has changed and we have to, you know, pivot again to how do you leverage that? Yeah. One, one other question, Rich, I'll fire it back over to you. You, you touched on a lot of digital marketing components and it, it seems to me that, you know, sales and marketing are somewhat colliding digitally because if you're not present, and you're not uh, connecting with your customer base online, and you're just depend waiting for the marketing team to get it done. Uh, you know, you may be losing a step as a sales rep. So, how do you recommend sales reps uh, invest in digital marketing themselves, above and beyond what their company is doing from a marketing perspective? Um, and boy, that is changing rapidly. I am moving towards, pivoting yet again, uh, towards developing some content and helping people with making little introductory videos. And it's a very cluttered space. There's a lot going on and I'm not 100% convinced that it's the best for business development. But I do know that if I'm, you know, Rich, if I'm thinking of hiring your company and it's you and one other, especially if it's a commercial deal, and it's you and one other person, it would be kind of cool to get an email from you that had a short video of the project manager, the crew leader, the quality control person, the account coordinator. And, you know, it's almost like, wow, okay, so it's more than just the dude that showed up on, uh, you know, at the office to give us a surprise. Uh, he's got a team behind him. Jim's got a team behind him. And they're real people. Hi, my name is, you know, Bill, you know, I'm, I'm your project manager. I'll be responsible for A, B, and C. I, I think that is something that a salesperson needs to start to invest in. And it's whole, it's solely up to them. It's not like, hey, what's my company doing? It's, okay, have you left a 30-second commercial on, you know, using your iPhone? Just make a video. I mean, how to look, how to sound. Um, because get that, get that good, and then the methodology for how you ship it to a customer, how you use it in prospecting, that's, that's your marketing department. But first you, you know, prove that you are jumping into bed on this. Very challenging the older you are. And I mean, I doubt that anybody in the audience listening is as old as I am. So it's like, if I can do it, you can do it. And guess what? You actually get to put your authenticity, your genuine nature in front of the customer. So you're, now you're more than just, you know, Jim, Acme, whatever. And then you use the word, you know, instead of sales, you use, you know, consultant, whatever. And they're like, they, they read through that. You're like, ah, you're just another. But now it's like, 
I mean, that's what I just burned downstairs was a, as a video for a huge group of people that are looking at this solution. It's like, you know, hey, I'm Jim. Um, I understand you guys are under a lot of stress, but you need to perform at your best every day. We started with professional athletes, help them get mental acuity. You can benefit from the same thing. So we're going to be connecting with you here in the next couple months. Look forward to helping you get calm, you know, focused and uh, distraction free when you execute. They see me and my passion comes out. So I'm pretty outspoken about this. I, I truly believe that all this video content is actually going to benefit the sales pro. I mean, the person who's really good, like genuine, honest, authentic, nice. It, like get your customers to make little videos of what you did for them combine that with what you send to a customer. So it's not like, hey, we're helping clients like you. Yeah, you're in sales. There was a very wise person years ago that was sitting with me at dinner and he hit me with this question. Jim, you're in sales training. You want to work with our company. You tell me, why, why would we want to work with you and why do you want to work with us? It wasn't the first part of the question that made me stumble. It was the second one. You know, the question is, why would I want to work with them? And I wasn't prepared for that. I'm prepared now going forward. So it, it's, I think it, it allows you to be genuine and it's like, you know what? Hey, great question. Now, if I was a schmarmy salesperson who was just looking for the fast buck, I think I would have bumbled on that one. But instead, I'm like, you know, hey, great question. Let me ask you some questions. You know, do you have this? Do you have that? What do you do? You know, boom, boom, boom. And we found a lane that, that we could, that sales acting could bring value. And that's what we did for, you know, several years. Jim, I don't remember you bumbling when I asked you that. Um, remember, it was Rich who asked me the question. <laughs> um, uh, the brain, and this is salespeople listen to this. Your brain works five to seven times faster than your mouth. The natural tendency is, and the reason why, if you listen to some salespeople that are what I'll call unconsciously incompetent, they use the word um and ah all the time. So, um, so, uh, hey, uh, the reason, um, so, um, we got this really, and, uh, what's happening is their brain is working so fast that it's telling them, say something, idiot, and they do, and it's idiotic. Um, ah, you have to be comfortable with your, with who you are. So when somebody asks you a great question, Respond with a, a positive, you know what, that's a great question. Because in saying that's a great question, you both reinforce the person for a great question. And second, you just buy yourself five to seven acts to think about where the flip I was going. And make no mistake, in that moment, I had never had that question before. I've had a million people going, you know, so why should we hire you? And I was waxing eloquent on that one. <laughs> but why would, why would you wanna work with us? I have, I have a new one for you, Jim, and I, I listened to Gary V podcast, Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you listen to him at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. But his, he always, when he's stumped with a question, his immediate response is, Jim, I'm so glad you asked me that question. As opposed to, that's a great question. And uh, it gives that positive vibe right out of the bay. And yeah, you can tell he's thinking about his response in that moment, but it makes the, the person who asked the question feel, yeah, you know, I made this, the guests feel good, right? Um, and I love, as a sales rep, you know, a customer asks you, why do you want to do business with us? And you say, I'm so glad you asked that question. It's such a positive vibe uh, to, to the response. So I love it.
I'm going to go against the grain on that. And right. I want to play a speed round with you, Jim, where I wrote down a few things. I want to hear the very first thing that comes to mind. You can't say, I'm so glad you asked that question. You got to give the first thing that comes to mind. It's got to be concise. And it's got to be like the number one principle you think of when you hear some of these things. Are you up for playing? Yeah. I mean, this is a little scary, but go okay. ahead. So uh, finding the customer's needs. Open-ended questions and position a list in front of them of what other clients like them might have dealt with in the past to Matching prompt them to think. features and benefits to those needs. Matching your features and benefits to those needs. Well, fairly simple. When they say that they have a need, you say, it's interesting that you bring that up because here's what many of my clients are using. Here's how we've addressed it. How does that, or how might that fit for you? That's where I would go with it. Asking for the order. Oh, hey, let's do this. We got a couple of different options, A and B or A, B and C. Which, which way are you leaning? Which one works better for you? Make it their decision, have them choose. If they don't sign on the spot, setting up the follow-up. Hey, the next step then is for me to get this to you. Let's get together in a couple of weeks. What works better, beginning, middle, or end, back to that uh, alternate choice close, being in control. But let's do this. Don't say, so do you want to get together? Making a follow-up call. As promised. As promised. You know, hey, as promised, I'm giving you a call today. Reinforce that you do what you say you're going to do. Leaving a voicemail. Practice before you leave it. Setting goals. <sighs> Daily, write it down. I call it the focus five. Always looking back, always looking forward every day. Accountability. Grit. Grit. My most handsome feature. Your most handsome, the fact that you have hair and I don't, okay, that's like, but the two of you are like, you know, like, you know, like the chia thing, you just shove the hair and out it comes, you know, and uh, I'm follically challenged, I think that's the term, so uh, working on it, but they, they say it's a sign of you know, wisdom, maybe, I don't know, I think it's age. That was great, thanks for doing that. Can you tell us about, you've written a number of books, can you tell us about the books you've written uh, or any particular one you're most excited about to maybe share about on this podcast. Uh, so the books you've written and then who they're intended for. Okay, perfect. Let me just race through the four. Uh, the, the first one is called The First 100 Days of Selling, and it's basically a step-by-step -step process for B2B salespeople, uh, the meat and potatoes of selling, and it comes with a sales manager guide and a sales rep guide. And the second one came about in 2008 called the first 100 days of in-home selling. And that was the business to consumer side, same concept, same science. Uh, number three was when we started to see the impact of the internet. And my line is what happens in Vegas no longer stays in Vegas. So I did a three-year research project on what are the characteristics of the great of the sales pro. And it's called Selling by the Book Today, and it, it covers the 14 characteristics like humility, honesty, uh, you know, the goal setting, the do what you say you're going to do, make your plan, follow through. What are the characteristics of a sales pro? Because I think you will be known in social media. You will be known. Your customers will post things about you, and boom. The last one was 
literally my, my favorite, which was, it's called Execute, How to Sell in a Distracted World. I just think we have so much coming at us right now and salespeople need to learn to get a plan, to have a focus, to like get up every day. That's why I do the focus five. That's my goal setting. Look back, look forward. What are the five things I have to do today? One of them was make that video. It's done. And I've got the, the other four I'm going to execute when we get off this podcast. So that's, and that also deals with the brain training a little bit around what you need to think about as a salesperson if you're going to continue down this path because the distractions are escalating and uh, you need to get in control of this. That's great. So you've got four books. You already mentioned the, the finish line Friday. Yeah. That's what other other assets do you have that somebody can tap into if they're like, I want more of this guy, Jim, (laughs) right? There's um, if you go to the app store, you'll find what's called shot of octane. That's where I've got very short videos that covers a lot of our techniques and, uh, we started moving a- away from doing generic ones and doing customized ones for clients. And uh, we're now going back in COVID time, we're going back and we're adding videos because now there's all this new um, screen share selling. Like, you know, if this were a sales call, it, there's some best practices that salespeople need to actually, I think we're going to be here for a long time. Forget about COVID. Even if there's a vaccine tomorrow, what, what, clients have realized is they can there are people that can work from home and it's productive and they save real estate costs i know we can disagree and agree with it all day long the fact of the matter is it's going to continue second if you look at the research especially b2b not b2c but business to business there are more decision makers yes there's one person that makes a decision but there are other stakeholders what is the statistical probability that those stakeholders will all be in the same geographic facility on the same day? So if you master screen share, which everybody's like, oh, I hate it. It's just terrible. It's horrible. I hate it. I can't wait to get back. It ain't going back, gang. Figure this out because this is actually beneficial. While your sales competitor is trying to wait to schedule an appointment when the two of you are in the same geographic place where I can meet with you. I'm now going, hey, in the interest of time, you guys have a lot going on. Let's just do this. Let's jump on a Zoom call. I can show you what we do. Um, I can inquire a little bit more about how or even if that might fit. And then you guys can decide you know, how to move forward. And I'll get it off the street. Is it as good as being face-to-face? No, no, no. But it's efficient. And I think it's about to become your new reality. So, you know, uh, between Shot of Octane, which is the app, just go to salesoctane.com and sign up for Finish Line Friday. I'm beginning to pivot that now to video newsletters. So you can listen to it or watch me, you know, go crazy on the screen versus reading it. And I just started that last week, literally uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so between, you know, sales octane, shot of octane, the videos, but if you have a company and you're, you're like, you know, we got, we got a number of salespeople and we're not real tight with process. Give me a call. And I don't care what you're already using. Keep using it. Don't, there's not one sales program that that's like the end all every cup, co- every company's different. So find the best practices from all the different solutions. We just try to tie it together in that sales process. 
Make sense? Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. It seems like there's a, a big theme resonating not only in this conversation, but just in the world in general, which is video content is king and is overwriting a lot of written content, even yeah. with the younger generation that's coming up. So I, I see that being a trend that's going to continue uh, as new salespeople come into the workforce. Yes. They're going to learn via video, via self-assessment uh, on video, you know, things like that. And especially if we were giving a sales presentation right now, to your point, instead of just having a conversation, I may want to bring on video assets in this sales presentation to help sell the client who, you know, can see things and, and see how we work. So absolutely love it. And uh, I think this is, there's so much here to go on. I hope, I hope some people on this call are getting their click moment uh, in terms of what they're going to do with their sales team leading, you know, leading off of this, or if you're a sales rep listening to this, you know, some things you may change. One last question for me anyway, Jim, is as an entrepreneur, what would be your biggest, um, if you had to give an entrepreneur one thing to make sure you do, if you're going to have your company last 20 years and build a nice successful company, what's one thing you should do and not, don't bring anything up sales related. So not sales related, but just as an entrepreneur, what's the biggest thing, your biggest piece of advice for entrepreneurs? Surround yourself with the right people. I mean, you can't, you can't scale your business if it's just you. And it, I've always said, and this is cliche, um, hire slow, fire fast. You know, take your time to find the right person. I mean, you want somebody that thinks the way, you know, that, that supports your, your core values. I mean, you know, here on the wall over there, I've got my values flags. I, I constantly look back at that. This is critical. Even when I work with partners, it's like, okay, let me share our, our values with you. And I just want you to know that this is the way we operate our business. And it's, it's always, you know, it's good conversation. So find the right people, surround yourself with the right people, take your time getting the right people, and everything will work out. That revisits something you mentioned earlier. I took a note on where you said the words uh, mentor group and peer performance group. So it's, uh, it's interesting you would revisit that again and go, yep, that's, that's a big deal gang. Right. I mean, if, um, if with an entrepreneur and I used to be a member of a big entrepreneur organization and, um, I was charged one year with, you know, how do we sell memberships to entrepreneurs? Cause they're so scared. They're going a million miles an hour. And you put it this way. If you're already making a lot of money as an entrepreneur, you don't feel like you need any advice, right? So they can pay to get in the membership, but they don't feel like they need advice. If they're struggling, they have no money to join the membership. So it's always like, how do we get them? And I said, just start with this one question. When you have a problem, who do you talk to? Now, it's usually my spouse. Okay, how's that working out for you? And, and, or, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily healthy. And sometimes it was banker. My brother-in-law, and if it was my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law, I'd always follow up with, what's their job? Oh, they work at another, you know, they work at a corporation. Okay, I'm not an entrepreneur. The only people that understand entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. So get in a group. It doesn't even have to be the same business because it's always around people, money, <laughs> strategy, and then occasionally sales, <laughs> quite often sales. <laughs> so it's like, those are the four things. And notice this has nothing to do with what business you're in. It's basically sharing best practices. And I, I, I tell you what, that was a godsend in those early years 
uh, you know, sitting down with them and just, you know, I made a bad hire. I, you know, I got to do this. I, I don't know what I was thinking. How do I get it? What do I do? Somebody stole from me. You know, what, what, and the funny thing is, there was almost somebody there that's like, oh yeah, I had that like six years ago. You're like, what? What'd you do? Well, now I do this. And you're like, oh, there you go. So kind of back again around best practices, but here's the thing. I want to get best practices, not from somebody who doesn't live it every day, but somebody who lives it every day. I want somebody who lives it every day. Yep. That's great. And thus, and thus entrepreneurs united. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you do. And it's, that's your, that's your sandbox. So get in some kind of a relationship where you can share, you know, your, your passion because a lot of the a lot of the time there's also family related dynamics, you know, your impact on your marriage uh, relationships. Again, other entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, been there, done that. Here's what, you know, here's what we did. Jim, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know. Hey, thanks for having me. So much of what you said is going to matter to an awful lot of people. Uh, and if, if we have note takers who listen to the podcast, I'm sure they have a couple of pages that they can revisit. So thank you so much. I hope it helps. I mean, that's the bottom line is uh, there's a great book by Adam Grant. It's called Give and Take. And when you give, you receive, not in the short term, but longer term, it, the givers are the ones that, that win the most. So I just hope that this helps, you know, with what I, you know, gave today, just getting it out there. And you guys were great at facilitating because you, we were not prepared. We just, this was random. So thank you.